Hello, everybody, and welcome to today's podcast. It's our great pleasure to be joined by Chris Govier, President of EMEA at Cornet Digital. Chris has an in-depth knowledge of the print industry, and his career holds many success stories. Chris, welcome. Thanks, Debbie. Nice to be here. It's our pleasure to have you. We'll kick off with our first question then. Chris, can you give us an insight into your career journey, your passion for the print industry, and your role as the president of EMEA at Cornet Digital? Thank you. Yes. Um, so so uh, I, I look after the, uh, the EMEA region, which really covers everywhere from, uh, from the UK uh, up into Scandinavia, Africa and the Middle East. And um, I've been in Cornet now for a couple of years. Um, yeah, it's amazing how time flies. In fact, Debbie, we met each other actually on my first day, I think, in Dusseldorf when I joined. Yeah, we did. Well remembered. So it's amazing yeah. how time flies. Yes, indeed. Um, so I've spent really the majority of my career working in print, uh, and the majority of that print really has been around digital transformation for, for, the, for the majority of the time uh, in the traditional print, commercial print industry. Um, and so, uh, so I've covered many geographies. I've been fortunate enough to move uh, originally from New Zealand, but uh, spent a lot of time in the Middle East and then uh, more broadly into Africa uh, and also into Latin America uh, and then into Europe and Eastern Europe and, and Russia. So covering many geographies, I've been very fortunate to, uh, to see the trends, um, you know, sort of move across all those geographies and from early adopters to late adopters to leapfrogging technology, as I call it, when sometimes people jump over perhaps a couple of trends at once. Um, mm-hmm. And the, the digital transformation piece is really what led me to, uh, to, to come here to, to Cornet, um, because I see that the, certainly the textile industry and the apparel industry is very much where, uh, where the traditional print industry was perhaps 20, 25 years ago. Um, and so I believe that we're on the cusp of something which is incredibly exciting and, uh, and, you know, we're seeing real change in both the industry and also in how um, companies like ours uh, address those trends and, uh, and enable choice for, uh, for consumers and for, uh, you know, for customers and also for retailers and e-tailers and brands alike. So uh, it's an incredibly exciting place to be. We are a hugely dynamic company, uh, globally, uh, globally covered across the Americas, uh, Europe, EMEA, and uh, obviously in Asia Pacific with our headquarters in, uh, in Israel. Um, and there's some fantastic technology that we're running. I totally agree, Chris. We really are on the we're on the verge of a huge tipping point, aren't we? Yeah, I, I think I, I think you know we, we'll probably, I'm sure, touch on you know how the pandemic has uh, you know has impacted us all, and indeed, you know when we were just chatting earlier, um, it, it's had a horrific effect in many cases on people's lives, and uh, you know there's sadly obviously a lot of uh, a lot of sad stories that have come out of this. Uh, in many ways, but um, but arguably, I think we have to sometimes look to the optimism that perhaps uh, you know crises and and these situations present. And I think none is truer than the you know the industry itself in which we're working in the textile, the uh, the apparel industry is. You know, we've seen huge acceleration in the trends that we'd seen before. Um, and so, actually, you know, as a company and as an industry, I think we are in a, a really terrific place right now. That's good, isn't it? It's good to hear. It's good to hear that things are going to start moving for all different aspects of the te- textile industry, and they are 
definitely being encouraged to embrace that all of that disruption in order to change their business models to survive post-pandemic as well, really, and to become much more commercially viable. Chris, can you tell us more about the, the new UK entity for Corneat and its function and how you think Brexit might impact the industry? So, yeah, the UK actually for us in EMEA is the um, is our largest geography. Um, it's been growing at a significant rate, 30, 40 percent plus rate over the last several years. Uh, very much uh, quick adapted to new new technology that we're offering. Uh, and so it became a pretty, a pretty much a no brainer for us to uh, to develop a stronger presence there for, for many of our customers. And um, and that involved all facets, really, of what we were uh, of, what, of what we want to, to achieve. So. So we still have um, our partner in the UK, uh, Amaya, uh, who, who's been with us for, for 44 years or so now. Um, but we also recognise that there's a much broader capacity for us to to really take on the UK market and to drive that change. Uh, and some of what we were uh, just touching on is, is, is some of the rationales, really. Uh, many of the high street retail uh, bricks and mortar um, setups we've we've seen, have, uh, you know, the the you know, the demise, as they call it, of the bricks and mortar retail has, has really been accelerated over the last 12 months with what's happened. Um, you know, we, we tend to sort of look at it as, as retail meltdown in many ways. Uh, mm-hmm. And in, in the news at the moment, you've got, uh, you know, retailers buying retailers or retailers or e-tailers buying retailers. So so there's a huge consolidation going on right now. And uh, many of those, you know, many of those bricks and mortar sort of setups now are actually only going to be taken online. So, you know, the e-commerce element is booming hugely. Uh, and also I think consumer habits are changing, you know, self-expression, social media, you know, people want immediate gratification. So there's, there's you know, they're, they're all trends that have been hugely accelerated over the last 12 months. And, um, and our plans for the UK were very much around how do we get closer to our customers? How do we build more, more intimate relationships how do we how do we enable their business, um, you know, through uh, through perhaps enabling them to fulfil for for other companies, which is something we're exploring uh, right now, which is uh, really showing a, a great uh, a great uptake, uptick. Uh, and also, we've got a strong presence of our service community uh, and application applications team uh, that look after the business in terms of the the post sale business for us as well. Uh, we've established a UK hub for our distribution of our ink and our our parts and consumables. So really it's about providing that real-time up, up, uptime productivity gains for our customers in the UK and then accelerating against that. So it's a very exciting time for us to have the Corning Digital UK entity set up. Um, I think you're also probably aware, Debbie, sorry to, to cut across you there. I'm sure you're probably aware of the uh, of the acquisition that uh, Corning Digital made last year of the custom gateway uh, team. Uh, they were actually based out of Manchester. So uh, a very heavy UK presence. Um, our UK head that we put in and appointed at the end of last year, Phil Oakley, is actually based out of Manchester. So we're seeing a lot of synergies around what we're doing on our custom gateway workflow solution and our and our entrance into the UK market on a direct basis. So very, very, uh, you know, very encouraged by what we're seeing at the moment. It's a great opportunity, isn't it, with companies now having to look at uh, nearshoring and and reshoring, really. Yeah. Yeah, very much so. So, so you know, if we see what happened in the, you know, the global supply chain within the, uh, you know, within the imperial textile industry, I think, you know, sadly, millions and millions of dollars being written off and, and almost crashing from, you know, from retailer brands all the way back to the, to, to the poor old sort of um, suppliers. Uh, and I think as a result, you know, many of the, the, the e-tailers, certainly at the moment, the online um, e-commerce, um, you know, players are looking to see how they can future-proof themselves 
Um, and certainly nearshore onshore production is, is, you know, is very viable now. And, you know, many of the conversations that we are having at the moment are leading towards being able to particularly produce in-country, uh, you know, you sell it, then you make it. So it, hold, it doesn't hold up so much cash flow elements uh, and reduces the inventory that uh, clearly at the moment is a, you know, can be as high as 30%, which ultimately then just ends up 30% write-off that, that ends up, you know, sadly going into landfill, which is a very negative impact on on everything from just the resources that it took to produce those items to the cost of the environment to try and biodegrade them down. And, you know, many of the traditional inks that are used in the industry are not biodegradable and have a hugely polluting impact. So, so there's a whole sort of ecosystem that we as a company are trying to promote here and, uh, and, I, and we're really getting some fantastic traction, which is exciting for us. That's great. For myself, looking um, looking outwardly as well, I think we're at a point in time where we have all of these tools, all this software and technology at our fingertips, which we just didn't have five years ago. I mean, there's been a, such a convergence. And as you say, with the purchase of Custom Gateway, the whole automation of the supply chain, you know, literally from A to Z all the way through is now actually possible in a, so many different depths, even if you just literally, we'll talk about roll to roll in a minute, but uh, moving forward to placement printing and automatic cutting and just, there is such an incredible suite of tools now that um, it really just unlocks, doesn't it? Um, Smart manufacturing, really. Absolutely. And I think, you know, it's a a little bit, um, you know, the the questions that used to be asked is, was it commercially viable? You know, was it, uh, you know, was it suitable quality? Was it suitable hand feel? Those kind of things. I think we've ticked all those, all those boxes now. And I think the conversations and what we're seeing of the kind of customers that are utilizing the outputs now on our, you know, from our technology is, you know, is proof of that. I think, I think now it it, it actually really takes the lead of, of of us to come together as, as all the constituent parts really um, Mm -hmm. in terms of, you know, want to drive this forward. The, um, yeah. You know, the main the main element I, th- I think is the um, you know is the cutting and sewing element, which is which is always something that you think about labour costs, etc. But but when you look at going sort of what we call open open costings, for example. So as I touched on previously, much of the world's clothing that gets produced never gets sold and gets written off and, and thrown away, and so there's a thirty percent plus sort of cost factor in there. So. When you consider that you don't end up having to write a load of stuff off or destroy a load of stuff, then that that margin that you traditionally are covering off for, for you know for, for contingencies, you can actually reinvest back into the costings element, which means everybody wins if everybody's willing to give a little bit. And and that's what we're going to really at the moment. The demand of the consumer right now, particularly the sort of the 20, 20, 20 to thirty group, which are you know the ones who are going to inherit and the ones arguably are the most aware of the impacts that we're having as a as a race on the environment, um, you know, they are demanding clarification. They want, they want really, you know, clear communication and, and certification of, of the clothing that they're buying has been produced both ethically and also sustainably. And, and I believe the work that we're doing at the moment with, you know, is really starting to, to bring that to bear, but it needs governments particularly to, to really get on board with this, to start to actually certify and give clarity to the consumer. Um, and I think once we get that point to that point, I think we're going to really start to see a huge shift to this nearshore on-demand production, which is very viable now. 
100% agree with you. Yeah. And I think the fashion industry has got a lot of work to do in its kind of inbuilt legacy kind of systems just for software and management of data, really, and big data. Um, they've got a lot to do to catch up, but they definitely have to embrace this now in order to improve their viability. Um, as you see, as you explained earlier, you know, the switch between bricks and mortar and e-commerce is, is the future. It can no longer be ignored. So with that in mind, um, Chris, Cornic Technology offers a digital printing solution for both D2G and roll-to-roll textile printing. Where do you see key opportunities for growth for each of those sectors? New entrepreneurial so, growth, conversion? Yeah, we, we, well, we, we, look, I, think, I think when you consider that we're only, you know, we're only, I think, what is it, less, less than 1% of the market at the moment has gone digital on the T-shirt manufacturing, T-shirt production element of decoration. So there's a huge potential still for us to grow hugely in that area. Um, so, so we'll see, you know, we'll see significant uh, growth just in the traditional part of the, of the, of the cotton T-shirt decoration or, or direct-to-garment decoration, as we call it. Um, uh-huh. And we'll continue to grow um, and become more viable. And we'll see things like, you know, online store, you know, nearshoring um, store replenishment uh, overnight, for example, where the stores that, that remain and the, the physical bricks and mortar that remain uh, need to be a lot more uh, flexible in their supply chain. So um, by enabling them to, you know, sell what they sell during the day for the people coming through the doors and then trigger an automatic um, order on the items that were, that, were, that were purchased during the day, so, yeah, so we've got some great examples of stores, uh, those that are still running, you know, physical stores are, are actually utilising overnight fulfilment where um, whatever they sell during the day uh, triggers a, an order overnight uh, and then a, near, a very nearshore fulfiller will be producing the items that were sold uh, and they'll get delivered the next day. Um, and then it means when the store is opening up, it's got a full, a full inventory of all the items that it needs. So, you know, if they haven't got it in stock, they can't sell it. But that's a way for us to address both a, a virtual world on e-tail and also a real-world re- retail. So that works really nicely. Um, and I think one of the other big areas, as we've touched on before, on the the role on the GTF side of the business, the direct-to-fabric. So we we, we recognise that that you know we've got a huge opportunity to uh, to go fully vertical now. So an ability for a customer to place an order for an item of clothing that they can actually you know, have some influence in terms of customising where the patterns get positioned or the images are located or even personalising with their own names or, or, or vice versa, um, then I think that's a really exciting opportunity as well because from, from click of order all the way through pretty much to the time where somebody sits down and starts to sew that can be all fully automated, uh, which means that the person can receive their item the next day. Um, and because it's personalised, they're more likely to, or customised, they're more likely to hold onto it and utilize it more than once, which is better for the environment and better for landfill. Um, and equally, pay a little bit more for it. So it gets over some of the cost concerns that people may have for the production capability um, and the cost of uh, and the cost of, um, of production and, and labor, of course. Um, and I think one of the other areas is that the, the advent of social media, you know, social media is clearly a huge element and has been, you know, for the last many years, uh, and if you look at something like TikTok where, uh, you know, it's not just funny videos that my kids make, it's actually, uh, you know, very serious from a business perspective. And we see a huge number of up and coming designers on TikTok that, um, that, are, that, are, that have, you know, sustainable credentials and want to be able to output their designs in a sustainable way. And up until recently, they've, you know, they may have struggled, but, uh, but with the advent of our technology, which is, you know, single pass, 
doesn't involve acids or nasty inks, et cetera, and is, uh, you know, fully sustainable. No pre-treat, no post-treat, as I've said already. So it gives an opportunity for them to, to really become brands in their own right um, and not just simply, a, you know, a, a, a sort of an, you know, a, a business that exists in the, uh, in the, in the virtual world, it can, it can, you know, they've got tens of thousands of followers now and, and they want to address their followers and, and, you know, keep them satisfied. So it's, a, it's an exciting opportunity for sure. It's incredible, isn't it? How the technology has, emp- has empowered the creative, um, and then yeah. bolting on, as you say, TikTok, Instagram, all of those things too. You know, anybody can have their own super brand and scale it to their own ambitions, can't they? Yeah, completely. I mean, you don't need, you know, you don't need a physical presence in the real world now to run a business. I think, uh, I think we've all seen that, um, and it's been hugely accelerated with what we've seen in the, um, you know, with the, with the with the last year or so. I mean, if you take the e-commerce boom, even in the US alone, as an example, you know, we saw that there was between, I think, the months of uh, of, of April, May, and June, that there was a three month, uh, sorry, a, a ten year growth in that three month yeah. period. Growth in that three-month period of people utilizing and going online of e-commerce penetration increased in that three months, the same as it had in the previous 10 years. So it's a phenomenal statistic, and you can think of everything that drives that, and, and it means it's here to stay. So people now can, you know, can sell to people. They've got connected. Everybody is connected. You know, the, the influencers and, and everybody else have been doing it for years, but now it can just simply be a, as simple as, connecting people up through workflow that gives them the ability to produce what they need to produce. So hugely exciting. It is. It really is very, very exciting. And of course, it's production with no risk when you're using third party fulfillment. And um, the commercial chains completely changed because the, the product is paid paid for at the point of purchase, um, which just turns everything on its head, really. Um, if you were to just roll back 10 years, you know, we've just completely changed the commercial landscape. Chris, I'm really interested to hear what you think the um, in the D2G side, because, of course, Corneat um, originally moving through on the cotton base. But with the Poly Pro, you must see huge opportunities in the sportswear market, which, again, you know, can just shift to next day delivery. Yeah, it's it's huge, Debbie. And, uh, you know, the polyester market is slightly more challenging in terms of a substrate as cotton, of course. And, uh, you know, mm-hmm. so therefore you have a different kind of ink set, which we've got some hugely capable people in our R&D departments and uh, and teams and scientists that we employ back in our headquarters. Um and you know we are you know we are already changing the way that people can produce onto uh, onto onto the the polyester marketplace um, and the sports industry itself is is massive um, and you know that's probably for me once the once everybody gets out of lockdown and uh, everybody gets back to being able to play sport and uh, and, and get back into their teams etc. I think uh, we will see a huge boom on that particular space for sure. Most of our large customers across the European region are, uh, have, uh, have taken technology now to enable them to do that um, and they're gearing up now the ability to do sports team wear, to do athleisure wear, you know, whether it's personalised yoga pants or team sports or team shirts, um, anything that you want to wear in, a, in an athleisure wear situation is, um, you know, it's not a heavy print and that's the difference between the traditional methodologies and, and our technologies. You know, there's nothing worse when you've got a, a you know, a, a T-shirt you're wearing in the gym that's, you know, sometimes when you get a bit sweaty, it sticks to you and feels really heavy. You know, ours is fully breathable and and, uh, and actually feels a heck of a lot better and, and looks brilliant too. So, you know, we're, we, we see that as a massive, massive potential for us. 
It's interesting, isn't it? Because Athleisure was on, it was in tracking growth before we we witnessed the the pandemic, um, and beyond, it's just going to keep keep going vertical. Really, um, it's amazing how these trends start to play out. Yeah, and and I think the world got turned on its head last year, as we all know. And I think it's accelerated some trends. It slowed some trends down. Um, I think we're very fortunate. The um, you know that our industry itself has seen uh, has seen you know pretty much nothing but positive outcomes. Um, Definitely. And uh, we we consider ourselves to be pretty fortunate. One of the big markets on the agenda here as well is the interior sector, because of course customization and personalizing personalization crosses multiple marketplaces. Um, and I guess, you know, with your technology, interiors has got to be a huge opportunity for you. Yeah, it's massive. I mean, it's, uh, again, you know, you go to any of the high street, you know, furniture stores or even, you know, visit them, whether you're visiting them in real life or whether you're visiting them online, you know, the, the, the challenge at the moment is that you've got to choose either a red one or a blue one or a green one quite often. And, and you may have a requirement for something that's a bit different. And so, uh, you know, our direct to fabric opportunity, and we've got many customers actually that are running this as a, as a, you can purchase your own fabrics for, for utilizing it for, at home, but equally many of the, of the, the furniture companies and the home decor companies see the ability to, to personalize and to customize uh, as a, as a massive, massive differentiator for them, which is, uh, which is very exciting. Um, so again, you can, you know, you can have your own, uh, your own covering for your Ikea couch, for example, that no one else will ever have. So uh, it's, uh, it's, it is it is a very, very interesting time at the moment. And, uh, you know, our, one of our challenges is how do we cover it all? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, just going to Ikea as an example, actually, they've got some incredible, um, incredible initiatives on the rise, haven't they, as well, with their whole sort of new move into taking back furniture and repurposing it. Um, and I'm sure, you know, Ikea already do print themselves digitally, but um, that kind of local, local, accessibility of fabrics that are custom printed specific to the client's interior has got to be another huge sector where we're going to see a, a massive rise in the application of digital technologies. It's um, very yeah, much so. And as so I say, we've got, we've got, a, um, yeah, we've got a few customers that are, that are running sort of, you know, almost fabric on demand that you can buy by the square meter or by, you know, tens of meters, et cetera. And, uh, and they saw, exponential growth last year um, across both the Americas and, and also Europe. Uh, you know, phenomenal growth because everybody was sitting at home. What do you do? You can't spend money doing, you know, going on holidays or perhaps going out to your restaurants or your favourite places you would go. So a lot of people decided that they would spend money on their house. So um, we saw, you know, some of them actually trebled their capacity in terms of their printing capacity due to the demand that they saw. And that's continuing as well. So, you know, the ability to upload a certain kind of pattern of fabric or a certain colour or perhaps photographs, et cetera, to, you know, to, to utilise on your on your cushions or your, your, your wall coverings or your, your curtains or whatever it might be. Um, you know, it's, 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 we have it in every other walk of our lives, so why wouldn't you have it in your home? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, one, one of your clients over in the States, I believe, Spoonflower had to invest in, was it four new machines just to cope with exactly. um, the, the, the increase of demand during the crisis? I mean, America in itself is quite a unique market I mean, in for, for that kind of craft, quilting, print on demand. And it's, Spoonflower have seen incredible success since they were formed, which has got to be maybe 10 10 or 11 years ago, perhaps a little bit longer now. But it's, yeah, it's so exciting to see how that is then going to cross 
um, cross continents, really. The whole business model has been yeah, proven to work. I mean, yeah, we, we're seeing it, Debbie. I mean, they've got to set up in Berlin, as you know, and uh, we've mm-hmm. got multiple systems there with them, and we saw an increase last year with them here as well. Um, we've also got uh, got got other customers in Eastern Europe around Poland that uh, that are actually doing the you know the fully vertical integration of supplying for you know for the online shops in Western Europe now. So the the nearshore reassuring is coming, and it, well, it's here. It's happening now, mm-hmm. um, and it certainly is. And it will just continue. There's no doubt. There's no doubt about the uh, you know the, the the glue that holds it all together is the workflow element that gives you the ability to move the work around, and that's hugely yeah. exciting. And do you think perhaps that's one of the the great attributes of that um, that gives Cornet the success that it has had so far in democratizing the print sector, whether that is roll to roll or whether that is D to G, that connectivity. Yeah, I think so. Um, look, I, I've been around a little while, I suppose, and I saw the advent of the digital transformation and the traditional print. You know, when I talk of traditional print, I mean sort of, you know, paper, paper printing, etc. cetera, uh, you know, magazines and, and that kind of print. But um, but I think here, you know, there is a there is an ability that people want to want to absolutely personalise and they want to customise and they want to have their self-expression of whatever it is that they want to, you know, want to show themselves to be. And, and so for, for me, you know, our technology is a huge enabler for that. Um, you know, we've got amazingly loyal customers all over the world. And I think we've shown that there is a different way to achieve, you know, to achieve what was being done traditionally uh, in a more ethical and more sustainable way. So, so actually what we've given people is a choice uh, and we've made it accessible. And I think it's not just us, it's all the key components, the you know, the, clearly the e-commerce internet element is a, is a huge ability to upload images and print your own T-shirts. Um, but I think that our technology certainly makes that achievable. Uh, and as the global leader and really the, I guess, the, the founder of this kind of business, uh, of this business model, uh, I think it's, uh, it's something that we hold quite dear to us, but we don't rest on our laurels. We're constantly looking to see what else we can do to enable, you know, en- enable the, the future. Yes, indeed. I think we've almost answered the next question, but here we go. Um, I think it's just so relevant because from my perspective too, you know, once upon a time, print machinery was sold independently as software. Um, But Cornet now offers a complete end-to-end solution that meets the needs of businesses, large and small, and we've kind of spoken about that. Um, Why is this so important? And do you see this becoming um, more and more of Cornet's strategy as you move forward? Because it used to be that print was just one part of the bundle. But, you know, people need a plug and play solution now. Do you think that's something that will continue to grow within Cornet's strategy? Very much so. And that's really the reason we, we, we acquire Custom Gateway, because, um, you know, the, the, the workflow solution um, element, you know, it's almost like the highway of the, of, the, of the industry in that sense. It enables work to move around from uh, the people that demand it to the people that need it, uh, or the people that print it to the people that need it, um, and, and I think that what we've seen is that it's unlocked real potential for us because there's a lot of latent print demand sitting in licenses or brands or you know those those sort of you know those kind of companies like a Netflix or a Spotify or, or those sorts of companies that that have got intellectual knowledge or property of a brand or or, or of an icon. You know, I think something like Breaking Bad comes to mind when Netflix launched that a good number of years ago and there was a, mm-hmm. a picture 
Eisenhower, Eisenhower, I think it was the, uh, I, I probably said his name wrong, it doesn't really matter, but the guy with the hat and the trilby and the glasses, you know, and uh, and mm-hmm. I think that that at that time wasn't so accessible for everybody, but, but what we're doing with our workflow is we're saying here's something that people want, uh, how do we put that in touch with the people that have got it? And so the workflow is really the highway that enables that, enables that to happen. So, so actually, you know, the reason it's so critical, Debbie, is because many of the people that actually have a, a, a requirement to print and sell something may, na- may not actually want to do the production of the printing themselves. Uh, you know, they're a high street retail, e-tail type company or maybe a brand, but they're not a printer. So what we need to do is we need to find a way of, of, of moving that print volume in virtual form to a physical fulfiller who can then print it for them uh, and then ship it out directly to their consumers in a very automated way. So the workflow is the is the highway that allows that to happen. Um, yeah. And, you know, we're seeing it's a way to connect everything up. Uh, it's a web in itself. We can enable brands or retailers in the UK to open up in the US uh, without having to physically be there. Uh, they can just develop a, a wrap on the front of their uh, landing page that has a US look and feel. Consumers in the US can log in, can purchase, etc. It all gets processed and then shipped through the workflow that we've got to a near fulfiller that's very located very close to where that consumer is. It gets printed overnight and gets delivered the next day in a very seamless fashion. So that's sort of the ecosystem that we're building with our workflow solutions and we'll definitely be continuing to do that. It's interesting, isn't it? Because all of this technology has been built for speed, for speed of sale. But in doing so, it also absolutely, unquestionably, delivers sustainability, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, you reduce MR significantly. It costs nothing to send a file around the world. You know, you're not polluting. You're not, you know, you're not shipping things left and right to to get a finished output. And and ultimately, you know, you're not printing it until you sold it. So. So you are significantly having a beneficial impact and you're increasing a better service for the consumer and they're getting it as quickly as they can possibly get it. So actually everybody wins. It's Nirvana. (laughs) We hope (laughs) for the planet, I hope. Anyway, moving forward. Um, Chris, I'm conscious of time. Um, Do you think that digital technologies, particularly in the D2G screen screen printing sector, will supersede screen print? I mean, we spoke earlier, you said it's just literally only 1% of that whole marketplace. How fast do you think that's going to grow to disrupt that market? Yeah, it's it's happening already. Um, I think as the personalised customization comes in, I think we're seeing a significant transition. Um, and, and I think as the demand of consumers, you know, changes, I think that, that will accelerate it as well. Will screen print ever die out? No, I, I don't think it necessarily will. Um, will we as digital take a significant share of it? Absolutely, it's happening already, and we're continuing to push, you know, up into the um, into the run lengths that, that make it economic for us to do so. Uh, look, screen print's an art form. It's uh, you know, it's a I, as a as a printer first and foremost, or as a, a fan of printing, or been involved in my career for printing. Uh, you know, I like anything that is a you know an artisan form, etc. And uh, but it will always have its place. But um, but I do believe that digital will become the uh, the norm for for pretty much everything. I think we'll will in the next five years. I think we'll see a massive switch. At that point, then, next question, the switch of industrial textiles. How and what um, is generating the biggest potential opportunities for growth of the digital sector? How do you think the industrial sector particularly, I mean, talking like large, larger volume meterages, how do you think this sector will evolve? 
Um, I think I think the mass market uh, that we've seen historically in this sector will change. Um, mm-hmm. I think um, you know consumer requirements change quite often. I think trying to predict in uh, you know eighteen months down the line what people want to be buying, you know what styles or or what colours or you know what patterns etc. I think was you know it was it was pretty much a, a you know it was a fairly autocratic approach really. You know we used to buy whatever whatever was given to us in many ways, and we didn't have a significant amount of choice. Um, yeah. You know realistically, I think choice is there now, and 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 as you know, retailers and and particularly online you know brands etc. realize that the consumer is king, you know, and and will vote with their feet, then they need to be a lot dynamic so i think we won't see the mass elements that we've seen as much anymore i think there's still going to be a need to make clothing affordable um yep. and you know there will still be a need for that sort of you know undecorated standard kind of you know jean or or, or plain t-shirt or plain shirt etc but but actually you know why not have everything that's customized and personalized because it's possible and it's economic to do so now so I do see. I do see. We're going to see quite a lot of change, actually, Debbie. To be honest, definitely, totally agree with you. Yeah, the, the, as you say, the customer votes with his feet, and window shopping is over. It just doesn't exist. Yeah, anymore. and and you know, so so what? Are, what do consumers want these days? They they want they want to be able to see something that's different than 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 that what their friends are wearing or what other people are wearing. So that's the first thing. So it's a self-expression world, right? So you know, that's absolutely yeah. the first thing. I think the second yeah. thing is. They find something they want. They want it quite quickly because they want to show it off. It's the, it's the instant gratification of the world in which we live in now. Information, media, everything is at the drop of a hat. You can see it, in, in, you know, immediately. Um, and, and I think it's also the, the the ethical and the sustainable piece. You know, I, again, I refer to my my daughters at twenty and eighteen years of age, but both of them have adopted a you know a plant based lifestyle and uh, which is extremely common of that age group and realizing mm-hmm. the impact perhaps my generation and previous generations have, have had on the uh, had on the environment and and actually you know they are the, they are the powerful ones because they're the ones holding the mirror up to us at the moment so it's a huge driving force for me personally and I know for many members of the Corning team that that we do have a responsibility to try to improve things and the better that we can make it a choice the quicker it will change uh, so it's exciting for sure as president of um, EMEA, Chris, why do you think Cornet has been so successful worldwide in delivering those partnerships? Um, I, I, you know, many companies say they care, um, and you know, but I have to say there is nothing more true of this company. This is a I, I didn't quite know until I joined Cornet quite what it was as a phenomenon. Um, you know, from Renan Samuel, our CEO down, you know, we have a huge passion just to be successful as a company, which clearly means, you know, selling our technology and, you know, selling our ink, et cetera. But actually, we have a huge passion for this industry in which we're in, and we have a huge drive to try and make this world a better place in our own in our own way. And when you can combine your own personal values or some values that you, you know, they're important to you with your job, then... I think it makes a significant difference and I think we care. And, you know, I would also say let's not forget the cultural environment in which this company was born, you know, the startup nation of Israel and the the huge, super intelligent, extremely capable people, um, mm-hmm. fantastic executors. I think, we, I think we have got 
you know, all of those ingredients that are required to make a difference. And, uh, and I think finally what I would say is we have immense customers. You know, we've got customers who are hugely loyal, um, clearly, you know, benefiting from, from the partnership that we enjoy with them. Uh, and I think the, you know, the future for us is extremely bright for sure. Perfect. That's great. Chris, thank you so, so much. You've answered our last question. Um, what, oh. does the fu- what does the future lo- look like? Should we carry on with that? Or, um, do, yeah, you, look, do you I want think to add some uh, more in there? Yeah, I, you know me, Debbie, I can, I, can, I can talk for a while and my apologies to your listeners who maybe switched off by now. <laughs> anyway. But I, 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 find it, I, I find it quite a privilege really to spend so long in a career that's different than this industry and then to be able to have this chance to come into an industry into a company that that is really making a difference in the world. Um, we are, you know, we are constantly pushing the boundaries. Uh, we have some amazing technology coming up this year and next year, uh, which again is going to raise the bar again. Uh, and um, you know, we are, you know, what do they say when you've got great markets and great products and great people? Then you know, you, you, to use your word, nirvana. Um, mm-hmm. I think the only thing I would add over there is a passion. You know, our passion to bond. You know, to design and, and to express ourselves is, is really what it's all about for us. So um, I'm extremely, uh, extremely excited about what the future holds. It sounds great. I cannot wait to see what you bring, the new products that you bring to market. It's something to look forward to when we can all finally move around. You know, the print community needs... It would needs- be very nice to have a, have <laughs> a cup of coffee would. and catch up properly. It would indeed. Yeah, we need our events, don't we? We need to actually physically see things and touch our we textiles, do. most definitely. Chris, thank you so, so much for your time today. It's been an absolute pleasure to talk with you. Um, and you, you have a great day and I look for- very much forward to seeing you somewhere very, very soon in person. It sounds good. Yeah, look forward to that as well, Debbie. Thanks for having me and uh, appreciate it and have a great day. Most welcome. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.